I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, how to organize a crypto event. And we have headlines. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today is Thursday, July 15th, 2021. You know what? I'm going to get you out of your comfort zone today. I'm going to do headlines first and then go into our interview about making crypto events just to mix things up. So I hope this makes you a little uncomfortable. Let's get into today's headlines. First, I want to say that I was wrong on a stat that I said about Axie Infinity the other day. I said that they had 25,000 daily active users, which is woefully wrong. Uh, It's actually 500,000 daily active users. And so I want to apologize for that wrong information first. Italy's security regulator has announced that crypto exchange Binance is not authorized to provide investment services and activities in Italy. CZ Zhao, CEO of Binance, says that regulation is a process, but he's down for it. He's going to continue to try to be compliant in every jurisdiction that Binance operates. Testifying today before the House of Representatives, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said that stablecoins should be subject to stricter regulation and treated like bank deposits or money market funds. And finally, this is interesting. The co-founder of Dogecoin, Jackson Palmer, and he left Dogecoin at in around 2015, he launched an astonishing attack against cryptocurrency yesterday. He said this, in quote, After years of studying it, cryptocurrency, I believe that cryptocurrency is inherently right-wing, hyper-capitalistic technology built primarily to amplify the wealth of its proponents through a combination of tax avoidance, diminished regulatory oversight, and artificially enforced scarcity. He continued to say, despite claims of decentralization, the cryptocurrency industry is controlled by a powerful cartel of wealthy figures who, with time, have evolved to incorporate many of the same institutions tied to the existing centralized finance system they supposedly set to replace. Cryptocurrency is like taking the worst parts of today's capitalist system, example, corruption, fraud, inequality, and using software to technically limit the use of its interventions, example, audits, regulation, and taxation, which serve as protections or safety nets for the average person. What do you think? Do you agree with this assessment? Email me, MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. I would love to talk about it. Now, let's get into those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I am recording this at 10.15 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $31,920, down 3% in 24. Ethereum's down 4% in 24 at $1,930. Tellers in the number three spot. Binance coins at 314 up a half a percent. And Cardano's at $1.24 down 3.9%. Running off the top 10, we have XRP, USDC, Dogecoin, Polkadot, and BUSD. Total market cap, we're at $1.31 trillion in a BTC dominance of 45.6%. Moving into our conversation today, we're talking to the project manager of FCC, 
It's an Ethereum-focused conference in Paris, France, that's happening on Tuesday. And we're talking how to make an event. Enjoy. Bettina, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you, Matthew. I'm doing really well. well hey, well, first of all, thanks for being here. Um, can you do me a favor? Just say your name for everybody, because I know I messed it up off air. So my name is very French. It's Bettina Bonfeller. Uh, well, thank you very much for that. And you are the project manager for Ethereum Friends, a conference that is going to have uh, over a thousand attendees. It's going to be over three days. It's going to have, have how many speakers? We've got 250 speakers. That, so like one quarter of the attendees are the speakers. <laughs> yes. Um, it's actually something we're very proud of with Ethereum Friends is having so many speakers per number of attendees. Excellent. How, 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 who are some of those uh, top speakers that are going to be there? Ooh, that's a tricky question. Um, since we cover so many topics, every attendee has his own personal favorite speakers. I'm going to maybe say some big names. You know, we're very happy to have Stanley Kudachev come back every year. I'm personally very happy to have Griff Green, uh, Austin Griffith, uh, Kevin Iwoki, all of these, because I love the projects they're working on. Um, we're going to have some fun stuff with Joseph DeLong, but also Ashley, Ashley Shep. So it's going to be interesting. And then there's some way more technical um, conferences with amazing speakers, but since it's a bit less my my type of uh, subject, I don't know them that well. Excellent, excellent. And, uh, big, or I'm going to say big speakers, it's, you're right, it's definitely relative who you're excited to be there, but it's awesome that this conference is going on. And I'm doing a little bit something out of the ordinary today for the show, as I am... We usually talk about product projects. We talk about products. We talk about you know DeFi and crypto and prices and all these other things, but we don't really talk about you know just being on the ground organizing. And that's what I want to learn from you. Is you are a professional events, a project manager, events manager, and I, I want to know how to do this. There's some people out there that want to get into the crypto space that want to like maybe they, maybe they just don't know how, but they say you know what I can put some time in organize an event, get some crypto like-minded people together, you know, maybe get some speakers and, you know, try to create a community within my neighborhood. What is the first step of doing that? I guess, I guess that's a big question, but what is the first step? I'd say the, the first step you mentioned it is the will to do it and the will to get your hands dirty. Um, organizing events is a very practical logistic work. You have a lot of little things you need to think about. So it's not all about the ideation, but it's also being able to put in like a lot of hours of work on small emails and small organizational stuff. The great thing with um, the blockchain ecosystem is that people are very, very open. Generally, if you just do a shout out on Twitter to speakers you really like and ask them to join, uh, you'll get a positive answer half of the time. Excellent. So, so what you would say, if I'm going to have like a little blueprint or a roadmap for this, you would say that the first step is to one, want to do it. And then two, start reaching out to people. Yeah. Reach out to people and create structure. Uh, people appreciate when they're contacted, knowing what's going to happen and how they can fit in. I, I, explain that. Um, well, simply enough, when you ask somebody, do you want to participate to my event? Um, most of the people do want to participate, but they don't really know exactly how. And the great thing is to have some sort of structure where you can guide people and tell them, okay, you can participate in that way. And if you have another idea, please let me know. This way you can reassure them on some sort of guideline they need to follow if they want to participate, but you can also let them be creative and have their own ideas and create a, a larger event or a more colorful event than the one you had in mind. Sometimes it's a chicken and egg thing, right? Isn't it? Like you, you have the speakers, but you don't have the venue. You have the venue, but you don't have the speakers. Which comes first and which is the best way to uh, pr proceed if you're going to do your own event in your own, in your own town? 
all at the same time. <laughs> um, so you should you should back up, uh, be sure to have a venue, have an option on, on a venue first, because if you don't have a venue and only speakers, well, that's just going to be complicated and frustrating. Uh, but event is about preparing for the long run. So start small, think about where, what, when, how, put that on paper. And then once you have that, contact the people you want to organize it with or the speakers you want to be present or the companies you want to be present. All right, so we have our venue, we have our, our speakers, we're reaching out to them, we're, we're making a timeline, we understand what's going on, but now we have to have people there. What is the best way to get this out to people, make sure they come? Because I think probably the most embarrassing thing is to have an event and nobody be there. <laughs> Absolutely. And actually, uh, it's always been one of our scares during it to see because people have a tendency to buy their tickets last minute. So every single year, I'm just panicking in front of the ticket sales for months, and then suddenly they just sell out in a month. So it's something people should be prepared for. But generally, you can if, if your event is not known well enough, invite invite some people that you know will bring other people and try and make them feel like they're part of your community and co-organizers and they will bring in their own community and that's how you grow without you know spending tons on media or marketing or publicity um that's a nice way to to start small events get people interested get people in make sure that they can invite their friends and uh, and that way it grows organically what we just said about organizing an event you know finding the venue getting the people um and then you know you'll uh, trying to get the ticket sales and, and inviting people out. Does that work for any size event? Does that scale? Yeah, it does. Uh, at CC, so the conference we organize with Ethereum France, we grow every single year. The first year, we would be happy if we got to sell 500 tickets. Now we have been yelling to everybody that was sold out for the last month after 1,000 tickets. And it takes time and it takes several editions of the conference. It, you need to build the trust of people. You need to make sure that they want to come back and create a great event. But it's we started small. And we're still small when you compare it to other events. Yeah, true, true, true. What is considered small? You said we started small, but you said 500 people. Is that small? Well, it is small when you know the ambitions we had and the energy we put in. When I organize my birthday party, I don't expect 500 people to show up, but I don't put in the same energy. Uh, so, you know, when we organize meetups with Ethereum France, because as an association, we organize events all around the year, the meetups generally have maybe 50 to 100 people attending, but that's because we tell our very small niche community in Paris about it and try to motivate people to come. Uh, ETCC being an international event uh, and working also with uh, YAP, for example, YAP Global, who's helping out with PR, that helps us get more visibility and more people coming. But that kind of depends of, on what you want to create with your event, if you want to have a, a small event or if you want to have a large event. But the basics are the same. Create your community, get people involved, and they will be your best promoters. I don't know where you are in the world right now. Oh, I'm sorry. I do know you are in Paris, France, but I don't know where my listeners are in the world right now. And, and COVID has changed the game when it comes to getting people in a, in a group. Uh, how have you navigated COVID and putting on this event? It's been a very stressful year. Um, I won't deny it. It's, it normally happens every year in March. We've postponed four times the conference this year. It was supposed to be in April, then in May, and then now in July. Um, we had to navigate without knowing where we were going. Um, what we have put in place is the best sanitary measures we can in an event. Um, there are more than 40 side events being organized right now around ETC next week. So I cannot control that all these side events will be respectful of the sanitary measures. Uh, but we're doing our best. And our calculation is that we need to start living in a world where COVID is a reality, but we also need to meet and start creating those moments and those 
very important moments where people actually get to discuss together, make new acquaintances and share projects. So it's kind of been a calculation between the risks and the wish. All right. So we have our venue, we have our speakers, we have our, our people there. And now the event is going on. Tell me some horror stories. What are the, some of the things that can go wrong during the event that you have to, I guess, think on your feet? Oh, during the event, um, you always, well, the number one problem is speakers not appearing. Uh, they're, they're, they're there, you're waiting for them. And then you just receive a telegram message saying, oh, I just woke up. So sorry. And you're like, Ah, you're expected on main stage now. So these are the kind of things where you need to run and think fast. Um, there's always the technical problems, uh, something you should prepare for. And even for a small event, uh, be, be it with a projector, make sure that you've got the good connections with computers, that the mics are working, that the presentations are done. Those are kind of the worst case scenarios, I think, in events where speakers are our, our main element. Apart, apart from that, the, the big goal is making sure that everybody has fun. Um, I think that's the most important thing. So in the horror stories, I would say it's mostly running after speakers and um, trying to ensure that, you know, people are finding their way through the event, that there's no like dirty toilets or random stuff like that. But those are things that people don't like seeing, you know, and the sponsors taking care of our sponsors as well and making sure that they get the visibility that they wanted and having people interact. So when, when a speaker doesn't show up, I mean, how, uh, what is the solution to that? I mean, it's 11 o'clock. It's a lot. The person's, you know that their hotel is a half hour away. I mean, there's no way that they're going to get here on time, especially since they're probably going to get a coffee, brush their teeth, put on some clothes. It's it's, it's impossible that they're going to be there on time. What do you do? Um, well, lucky enough for it to say, since we have so many speakers, they they just don't talk. Um, I, I go on stage. I, I tell the people that we're very sorry, but that speaker won't be able to make it. And then I think fast to try and find another slot where I can make him fit uh, in another room on another day or something like that. But those are the kind of situations where, you know, you just go on stage, you make a funny joke. Um, you tell the speaker that he's on your grey list and he better make good the next year. And that's it. That's just things you can't prepare for and surprises you can't, you can't change. You said one of the key things is make people happy. What, what are some like elements to making people happy? Obviously good speakers and, and, you know, that's just one element of it. I mean, the venue might be one of it one, but are there other elements to that? Is it refreshments? Is it games? Is it uh, door prizes? Like what is, what, what makes people happy? I think people appreciate when things are easy, um, when things are laid back, when there's no elements of stress. So what we, what we try to do at Etisi is to make, everybody kind of feel at home. Once they're in the venue, they can do whatever they want. We don't have different levels of attendees. There's no VIP corner for special guests or something like that. Everybody's there and they can do absolutely what they want. Um, and it's also allowing for um, random activities to happen. Every year I've got people contacting me uh, to ask if they can organize this quick workshop on design or if they can sell some French bakeries in the venue in ethers or something like that. And the aim is to say yes, because it's just another activity that's going to make the attendees happy. Uh, this year we've got NFT artists in the venue. Uh, we're going to see how that plans out, but it's just making things easy for people. And so that it feels like they're just going home meeting with friends and yeah, they can have a glass of water. They can sit, uh, there's going to be a desk and there's going to be, uh, uh, there's going to be room for them to like meet up with friends or have a discussion or work on their own. Um, just prepare an environment that's welcoming and easy. Excellent. 
Last question, I guess, is uh, about security, you know? So you're doing this event and there's always uh, the possibility that something pops off that is unsavory. Uh, how, how do you plan for that? How do you plan for maybe the, the, the speaker that was just late for a speaking thing and paid all that money to get to, to France and uh, now they don't have a spot. Like now that person's cranky in the venue and running around being just a, a distraction. Like how do you plan for the security issues? So I'm touching wood um, right now because we haven't <laughs> had major security crises yet. Um, I'd say that it's 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 just human relationships building um, building trust between people. And if I have a if I have a speaker that's all cranky because he couldn't get to present because it's his fault because he didn't w- wake up, well, I'm very sorry for him, and I can only do the best to try and find another slot. But if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. And, and that's just fine. And you know, that's something that's very particular to events is that there's so much things you need to prepare for. And people only see the top of the iceberg. I mean, I've seen so many crypto conferences where the backlash on Twitter is huge and people criticize so many elements just because they don't see everything that went well, that wasn't publicized. But um, so security in that matter, like managing expectations, you're always going to have people that are disappointed, that didn't get what they want, that didn't get their entrance. This year I've been, I think I'm building a reputation as like a terrible person because I've refused so many tickets to so many people. And I know that these people have a lot of influence in the ecosystem and stuff like that, but that's just the game. You, you have to make sure that you respect your limits and that you say no when you have to say no. Uh, regarding other types of security, we're lucky enough to organize the event in France. So there's not many issues as to like personal safety in the streets and stuff like that. And in the venue, um, I have never heard of anybody stealing something. So touching wood again, but uh, I think that works. Uh, just I was just curious because, you know, I worked in uh, uh, nightclubs for for a while there. And I always know like you know, some somebody can get cranky. Some fight could happen. Something could get popped off. You know, you never know. And you just always have to have somebody there to to just to, to I guess just be security and say look we, that's not going to happen or be able to stop it in time and I remember being at a consensus in um in New York and was it consensus yeah it was consensus in New York and I, I know there was a some sim, sim swaps happening uh, on the floor there and uh, it was a, a curiosity of like how would somebody plan for that if somebody's just walking around sim sim swapping while they're you know meeting with people or walking around the venue and so it's just a curiosity it's like how do you how do you, how do you manage that in case of problem, I'm the person you contact during Etisys. So I go, um, I try to manage any kind of situation that happens. Um, I do not hesitate to kick out anybody that's not acting in any way that I don't consider benevolent. Um, that is my arbitrary almighty power during Etisys is that if you don't comply to our rules and I see it, you'll just be kicked out. Uh, I also have a team of security people that are there to back me up if uh, if things should really turn sour. I don't, I don't think it happens, especially not in events where we're so community-based. There's so many people from the community participating, building. I mean, Etsy is a ridiculously small team for such a big event. And the fact that we're the, the possibility for us to be small comes from the fact that so many people from the from the larger community come and help, come and make it to see what it is. So everybody's careful. Everybody wants everybody to be secure and everything to go well because they kind of have their own skin in the game as well. Tell us about FCC. When is it happening? And uh, can people watch online since it's already sold out? 
Yes, Edsys is happening next Tuesday during three days, so July 20th to July 22nd. Um, every year we are very proud because we live stream all our talks, not the workshops. So we'll be having six live, live streams this year. Um, they are generally accessible. We tweet about them. But this year we've built with Interspace a virtual Etsy where attendees without tickets will still be able to see the talks. That's cool. So what, is that, what does that mean? Is that like a virtual space or on your computer or VR, AR? How does, how does that work? Very basic. It will be on a computer, several pop-up screens with the live streams. Uh, I personally did not want to virtualize it to see. I think the conference has too much to lose from anything virtual and it's too important to have people coming and meeting with each other. So we're supporting viewers, but we're not creating a virtual event. Gotcha. Gotcha. Bettina, thank you very much for coming on the show, talking about all about events, talking about uh, SEC um, and well, giving us a quick uh, blueprint of how to do this in your hometown if you wanted to. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Matthew. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to DeemerForCongress.com and donate. If you guys want to know what I think about cryptocurrency, there's been a couple clubhouses and I'll be on Spaces on the 27th as well. So, hey, come check me out. And don't forget, blockchain advocates in D.C. And until tomorrow, listener questions. Remember, send in your listener questions. Happy hodling, everyone.